Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Once again, you've tuned in to Project Audion with voice actors across the country recreating classic radio drama. Hello and happy holidays. I'm Larry Groby with the Generic Radio Workshop. Now, if you're any sort of an antique collector, like I am, then you know there's a special category of collectibles called ephemera. Ephemera is stuff that wasn't designed to be around very long. It's designed to be used tossed and forgotten, like uh, an old magazine, like this December 1958 issue of True Story magazine. True Story was published for a hundred years, but each monthly issue was designed to be tossed out and replaced by the next one. And also like radio shows. True Story magazine in 1943 spun off a radio show called My True Story, which ran for 20 years. Stories of people and their problems five days a week it aired each episode one time out into the airwaves and then vanishing ephemeral out of 5,000 episodes fewer than 10 have survived to be heard today even the scripts were ephemeral at the end of the show the actress would toss them into the trash except for one 10 year old actress who saved hers and six decades later shared them with the Generic Radio Workshop, which is why today we're able to recreate one ephemeral hour from December 1958 with this episode of My True Story, which happens to be titled A Christmas to Remember. An interesting name because holidays too are transitory, especially children's holidays. Time marches on and takes magazines and radio scripts and childhood with us. This holiday season, you make time to make some really good memories. Because in the end, that's all we have to go with. Merry Christmas from myself and all who have been part of Project Audio. Today and every day, Monday through Friday, a complete story about people and their problems, adapted from materials supplied by Through Story Magazine. I was terrified as I ran screaming up and down the aisle. I was like a puppy dog lost in traffic. And then, all at once, I collided with someone and I heard a voice speak. There, there, little girl. Why are you so scared? I'm scared because it's dark, and I'm all alone. It's still dark, but the light will come as soon as I press a button. And you're not alone anymore. I'm with you. What happens to a child who unexpectedly meets Santa Claus? Does her belief in the kindly saint become greater and more beautiful? Or does she know a moment of disillusionment and fear? Wendy Seymour, 4 Going on 5, brings you the answer to our question in today's story. Every Christmas Eve I relive this story, for my four chil children never tire of hearing it. And with each telling, I see myself as a frightened, forlorn little girl in a huge, empty auditorium. I've never forgotten the panic I felt when I realized that I was alone. But I should begin at the beginning, shouldn't I? At the time when I was four years old? My daddy'd been dead for several years. I couldn't even remember him. But Dot, my sister, remembered him. She was a big girl. She was twice my age. She was eight. After Daddy's death, we lived alone with Mama, who was sweet and gentle, who seemed to melt into the shadows when it was night, and who became a part of the drifting snow when it stormed. I wouldn't have known how to express it at that time, 
but Dot did. Almost. Since Daddy left, she seems to be more than half with him, Wendy. I don't know what you mean, Dot. I... I can't say it any better than I'm saying it, Wendy. I can only feel how it is. I can only feel that it's got to be us close together, you and me. Mama knows we're here, and she wants to stay with us, but less than half of her wants to stay. I still don't know what you mean. I can't explain it any better. I can try forever and ever, but I can't explain any better, or... What are you two children talking about? We were talking about... We weren't talking about nothing special, Mama. Oh, poor little girls. Of course you were talking about something special. You were talking about me, weren't you? Uh-huh. We were saying that we love you, Mama. Oh, and I love you, Dot. And I love Wendy. I love you both very dearly. <laughs> you know that, don't you? <clears throat> yes, Mama. Yes, Mama. And if I ever have to leave you two children, it won't be because I want to leave you. It will be because <sighs> there are some things you just have to do. Don't you never leave us, Mama. Please don't. Well, I'll try not to. <clears throat> I'll try awfully hard. If, if I ever have to... <clears throat> Go far away. You must stay close together. You must never be separated if you can avoid it. That's what Dot was saying when you came in the room, Mama. Were you, Dot? Yes, Mama. Oh, I see. What would you children like to do this evening before I put you to bed? Tell us a story. Yes, Mama, a story. You tell beautiful stories, Mama. The most beautiful stories in the whole world. Tell us a story about two little girls, Mama. Tell us a story about heaven, Mama. No. No. <coughs> yes, I, I will, too. I'll tell you about heaven. Not a place of streets that glisten. Just a home for me and mine. <laughs> I, I guess... I'd rather tell you a story about two little girls. Two little girls went walking one day. Were they sisters? Yes, dear. What were their names? By an odd coincidence, their names were Dot and Wendy. Which was the oldest? Dot, of course. Wendy was the tiny sister and Dot was the big sister. <clears throat> Well, the two little girls went walking, and they walked to the edge of the city, and then suddenly they were in the country, and they came to a forest that was full of tall, straight trees. Were there flowers on the trees? Oh, naturally. Blue flowers. Blue flowers are my favorites. I never saw any blue flowers. Neither did I, but if I'd ever seen them, they'd be my favorites. Do blue flowers have names, Mama? Oh, yes. There's blue larkspur and blue delphinium. And some pansies are a purpley blue. And canterbury bells are blue. Do canterbury bells grow on trees? They grow on the trees in our forest. I know, Mama. Let's have Christmas trees in our forest. Let's have a whole forest full of Christmas trees. Straight and tall and with color balls in them and tinsel and... Don't, don't be silly, Wendy. This is summertime. Christmas trees only grow in the winter. And when winter comes... When winter comes... And spring be far away. Mama, you're crying. If you'd rather have trees with blue flowers, Mama, I'd rather have them, too. We will have Christmas trees. No, dear. We won't have them. <laughs> At least, we won't have them tonight. Well, the, the two little girls walked into the forest hand in hand. They walked hand in hand because they were sisters and they loved one another. And finally, 
they came to a little house in the center of the forest. A doll's house? What else, dear? Oh, was there a doll in it? A button doll? A doll with yellow hair and big blue eyes that opened it and shut? Well, I'm entirely sure, but perhaps... Wendy, I think I'll stop telling stories. I think I've run out of stories. I'll make a doll for you instead of a story. Right now, this very instant, a rag doll with its eyes wide open and embroidered eyelashes. Would you like that? I really didn't want a rag doll, but I didn't say so because Mama seemed eager to make one. And after she'd started putting it together, I couldn't help being fascinated. And Dot was fascinated too. We sat on the floor, one on either side of her, as her fingers flew, making tiny stitches. And finally, the doll was done, and she gave it to me, and I cuddled it in my arms. Don't you want to sing a song to your doll, Wendy? No, Mama. But you sing Baby's Boats of Silver Moon so nicely. Gotten the words, Mama. No, I haven't. Baby's Boats of Silver Moon sailing in the sky. I remember the words, but I don't want to sing the song. Why not? Because it's a lullaby. And that's as it should be. <laughs> It's getting late. It's time for little girls and little dolls to go to sleep, honey. My duck can't go to sleep. She can't close her eyes. Button dolls have eyes that open and close, but this doll has eyes that stay open all the time. So why should I sing her a lullaby, Mama? <laughs> Your daddy always said you were a rugged realist. But nevertheless, I think... Maybe we should all go to bed. I like it. All three of us sleeping in the same room. I'm glad you do, dear. Because it's a matter of necessity and not a choice. Okay, then, come along. We'll see who can get undressed fastest and who can pop into bed fastest. <laughs> So we had a mad gay race getting ready for bed. And when it was dark in the room, Mama sang Baby's Boats of Silver Moon very softly. And I think that was one of the happiest nights I can remember. It was a very hot summer, and Mama seemed to become more shadowy. More like the rain, which was gray and fine as lace as it beat against the window. And one day, Dot went to the store and she took me with her. And when we came home, Mama was lying on the sofa, and she told Dot to go to Mrs. Callahan, our neighbor across the hall. She had a phone, and asked her to send for the doctor. And things happened very fast after that. Very, very fast. And we moved in with Mrs. Callahan, but despite her kindness, I was only sure of Dot's arms around me, holding me close. It was the last security I had in a kaleidoscopic world. Don't you be scared, Wendy. Everything will be all right. You mean they'll bring Mama back to us? No, they won't bring Mama back to us. They can't do that. But she's in the place she told us about. She's in heaven, Wendy. And she's happy. Happier than when she was here. How can she be happy when she's there and we aren't? Because she's with Daddy. And she loved Daddy very, very much. More than she loves us? Not more than that. At least I don't think so, but you mustn't ask me any more questions, Wendy. Please don't ask me any more questions. But where are we going, Don? What'll become of us? Will we move back across the hall? We can't stay here at Mrs. Cowahan's. She hasn't got room for us. You know the lady that came here yesterday to see us? Uh-huh. She had a boy's name. Her name was Mrs. Sams, but she said everybody at the children's home called her Mother Sams. 
What's a children's home? It's a place where there are lots and lots of children like us. Children who haven't got any daddies or mamas. Is it like school? It's sort of like school. I'm too little to go to school. But you're not too little to go to the children's home. Well, Wendy, tomorrow that lady, that Mrs. Sams, is coming for us. And then you know all about, you'll know all about the children's home and no matter what happens, Wendy, don't you be scared, because we'll be together. We'll be close together. We'll be close as close as always. Mrs. Sams came for us the next day, a plump, comfortable-looking woman like a pincushion, with gray hair and a round, pleasant face. We rode away with her in a big car, rode beyond the city, and I wondered when we were going to come to the forest with the tall trees that had blue flowers on them. But it was late summer, and the trees we passed had big droopy leaves and no flowers. And finally we came to a huge building with a stone wall around it, and the car turned toward it, and somebody opened a gate in the wall, and we drove in. This is the children's home, Dot. Yes, ma'am. According to what everybody's told me, you're very good girls. We try to be good. I know you do, Wendy. Why, you're not only good, you're pretty little girls. That's prettier than I am. Her hair's curly, but my hair's straight as the string. But it's thick, dear. I have freckles on my nose. That hasn't any freckles. I've always liked freckles myself. Mama liked them, too. She said they were like cinnamon on custard. Your mother must have been a very sweet woman. Try not to forget her while you're here, Wendy. And I'm sure that sooner or later you'll find another mama to love you. And then you'll be luckier than most children. You'll have one mama in heaven and one on earth. Well... This is the jumping-off place, children. That's right, Dot. Take your little sister's hand so she won't stumble. That first night we spent in the home, Dot and I slept in a big dormitory with rows and rows of iron beds. I was at one end of a row, and Dot was at the other end. The placing went according to age. And I was scared to have her so far away... But as I lay alone, crying silently, I heard the patter of feet on the bare floor, and she slid in beside me. Don't cry, Wendy. You've got to get used to this, you know. I never slept all alone before. I want to go back to where we came from. I want to sleep in a room, a small room, with just you and Mama. So do... So do I. But we can't do that, because Mama has gone to heaven, and the place we came from has been rented to someone else. Maybe the people that rented it would like to have two little girls. They have kids of their own, I guess. Everyone's nice here, Wendy. It's only because you're strange that you're crying. It's hard for you to understand, because you're just a baby. I'm not a baby. I'm four years old. Well, I'm twice as old as you are, and I know about things. So you've just got to believe me when I tell you that things will be all right in a little while. How can th things be all right without Mama? There's Mother Sam's. She's good and kind. Everyone says she is. You mind her, Wendy, when she tells you to do something, and she'll be nice to you. And perhaps if I ask her tomorrow, she'll let us have our beds next to each other, and you can reach out in the dark and touch me, and I can reach out in the dark and hold your hand and... That's not enough. Perhaps not, but it's the best we can do. Don't you see, Wendy? Tis the very best. So, with Dot's arms around me, I blinked back my tears and finally I slept. And when I woke, the sun was shining and Dot was back in her own bed at the other end of the long row. And that day, she had a talk with Mother Sam's, and afterwards, she explained what Mother Sam's had said. She knows it's hard, Wendy, 
She knows we're used to a little house instead of a big one like this. But she says I can sit next to you at the table when we're eating, and I can have the bed beside yours. She says she'll move the girl who has the bed next to yours this very day. If I fall down and skin my knee, will Mother Sam's kiss it and make it well? I don't think she'll do that. But if you fall down and skin your knee, Wendy, I'll kiss it. And maybe someday someone will come along and adopt both of us, and then we'll have another home of our own and another daddy and mama. I want the same mama I always had. I want the same home I always had. I don't remember daddy. I do. But, Wendy, don't make me cry. Because I'm the big one, and I've got to take care of us both. It's hard to separate a child from the familiar. Our life had been a poor one. We'd had few toys, and our food hadn't been nearly as nourishing or plentiful as the food we got now. But Mama's arms had been a haven of rest and peace. Little children are selfish. I didn't worry about Dot's adjustment. I thought only of myself. I was just four. I didn't realize that Dot carried fear in her heart. Always the fear that one of us would be adopted and the other left behind. When we'd, batted, when we'd been at the orphanage for two months, she crept into bed with me, as she had the first time. Wendy, if I was to go away somewhere, do you suppose you could get along without me? No! Mother Sam said that if we had relatives at all, it would have been different. But when Mama went to heaven to stay with God and Daddy, well, there wasn't anyone to take care of us. A lady and gentleman came here today, Wendy. They liked me because I have curls. I wish I had curls. So do I. Maybe if we had curls, too, they'd have wanted, uh, I mean, liked us both. Maybe they would have. <sighs> I'm sleepy, Dot. I wish I was. I don't cry anymore at night. That's what Mother Sam said today. She said you were making a, a good adjustment. What's that? It means that you're, you're used to the children's home, and to her. Oh. <sighs> Let's go to sleep, Dot. Not just yet, Wendy. I've got to talk things out with you. What things? Lots of things, Wendy. I told Mother Sam's I'd bite the lady and gentleman if they tried to take me away. It isn't nice to bite people. Sometimes you've got to do things that aren't nice. Sometimes you just gotta... Did Mother Sam scold you when you said you were going to bite the... Uh, the lady and the gentleman? No, she understood. But she said for my own sake I must behave like... Like... Like a little lady. She said it was my... My big chance. Uh, you're getting me awful mixed up. Dot, what was your big chance? Never you mind now. But... Wendy, I'll try not to go. You'll try not to go? Not to go well. But if I can have you... But if I have to go, can you get along without me somehow? No, I can't. I... I don't know what to do. So little Wendy, but I'm not very big myself. And I just don't know what to do. Well, things are approaching a crisis. Somebody wants to adopt the big sister, and if that happens, the little sister will be left behind. Wendy, the little sister, a grown woman now, is standing beside me in the studio, waiting to take you into the second half of her true story, and you'll hear from her in a moment. <laughs> From England, from Germany, from South and Central America, and from towns and cities all over the United States, Monitor, special holiday edition, brings you the story of Christmas as it is celebrated at home and abroad tomorrow. You'll hear the annual Christmas Day message of Queen Elizabeth broadcast from Buckingham Palace in London. 
In the historic city of Williamsburg, Virginia, you'll join a Christmas celebration and colonial tradition, including caroling in the streets and the bringing of the Yule Log. You'll attend a Christmas dinner for American soldiers stationed overseas in Frankfurt, Germany. And from Latin America, you'll thrill to the voices of the choir of the University of Chile. There's a children's party from the James Whitcomb Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis, and from Fitchburg, Massachusetts, a Christmas party for 2,500 senior citizens. Arlene Francis, Danny Kaye, and David Niman are among the celebrities who will share their Christmas day with you. All this and much more adds up to a gala holiday celebration you won't want to miss on Monitor. Special holiday edition tomorrow on most of these NBC stations. Now back to My True Story. And here's Wendy Seymour, no longer a little girl of four, grown up, but looking back into the past. And she's ready to tell you what happened next in the second chapter of her true story. The true story, that is, of her childhood. Am I right, Wendy? Are you all set? Yes, Mr. Hurley. I'm... I'm all set. Dot was crying beside me that night as we lay together in the narrow bed in the dormitory. And I started to cry, too, silently. For in less than the two months, I'd learned not to make any unnecessary noise, especially at night. Dot and I clung together, and I didn't know how to explain my grief. How to say that my defenses were crumbling. That... When my big sister cried, my world had come to an end. After a moment, she was able to choke back her sobs. I'm sorry, Wendy. I shouldn't have done that. You... you never cry. I know. I won't do it again, Wendy. I promise I won't. I'll do my best. When they come here tomorrow... That's when they're coming, you know. Tomorrow? That's when who's coming? The lady and the gentleman I was telling you about. I'll play dumb. That's what I'll do, Wendy. If they ask me questions, I'll act like I don't know how to answer them. Why'll you do that? So they think I got a low IQ. There's another little girl they sort of like. She has curls, too. Red ones. Uh-huh. Her curls aren't as pretty as your curls. They're almost as pretty. Maybe if I get a hold of a pair of scissors, I can cut off... Maybe I can do something worse than cut off my curls. I don't know what, but I've got to do something, Wendy. You know that. Wendy, you've stopped crying. Wendy, you're not listening to a word I say. Wendy, you're asleep. I guess I've said before that it's hard to separate a child from the familiar. But once the separation has become complete, the average child finds peace. After those two short months, the children's home and Mother Sam's, who was its matron, and Dot, my sister, became my whole world. The people who wanted to adopt Dot were well-to-do. They tempted her with everything, but not beyond her strength. She came rushing toward me later the next afternoon on the playground and hugged me tight. It's all right, Wendy. It's all right. What's all right? What I was talking about last night in bed. I was so sleepy last night. I remember that you were talking to me. I remember that we both cried. But I forget what you said when you were talking to me. You forgot awful easy, Wendy. Lots easier than I do. I was talking about the lady and gentleman who wanted to adopt me. Oh. Mother Sam's was disappointed. She said they were well-to-do. Then they said they'd give me a pony and a little basket cart. I've always wanted a pony and a little basket cart. So have I. Why wouldn't they take us both, Dot? That's what Mother Sam's asked them, but they just wouldn't. Did you want to go with them? Yes, but not as much as I wanted to stay with you. That was the only thing I really wanted. I told Mama I'd be close to you for always and always. The lady and gentleman decided that I had a a low IQ, so they took that red-headed girl Molly. But Mother Sam's knew how smart I was. 
She said I'd be a great actress someday. She said she didn't see how I could play so dumb, and then, do you know what she did? Mother Sam's? Uh-huh. She kissed me, and she said I was a brave little girl. Why did she say that? I like Mother Sam's. Wendy, let's talk about something else. I was only four. I keep saying that, don't I? I didn't realize what Dot had given up to stay on in the children's home with me. I didn't realize how much she'd given up for many a long year. Dot and I had come to the children's home in August, and time drifted by slowly until it was the day before Christmas, and the children began to whisper amongst themselves. I asked Dot what they were talking about. They're talking about the presents they'll get on Christmas. At least, about the presents they hope they'll get. Will we all get presents on Christmas, even here in the children's home? Yes, every one of us wants to be happy, even here. Maybe they won't be exactly what we want, but we'll all get something. And we'll all have lots of candy. I like candy. So do I. If you could have anything you wanted, Wendy, anything in the world, what would you want most? A boy and doll with blue eyes that open and shuts. What would you want? Mama. Wendy, where's the rag doll that Mama made you? You brought it here, but I haven't seen it since the first week. I lost it. At... You should have been more careful, Wendy. It was the last thing Mama made for you. I didn't lost it on purpose. One of the little girls was telling me about Santa Claus. Santa Claus bought us presents last year when we lived with Mama. Will the same Santa Claus bring us presents here at the home? I guess so. One little girl said there wasn't any really truly Santa Claus. She was fibbing. She should have washed her mouth out with soap. There's a really truly Santa Claus. That's one thing you must never forget, Wendy. If there's a really truly Santa Claus... Why doesn't he bring us exactly what we want? Why do some children get lots of presents and some children get hardly any presents? Santa Claus is awful busy. He's most as busy as God. He doesn't get time to pay attention to all children every year. If you don't get the button doll this time, Wendy... The button doll with the yellow hair and the blue eyes that opens and shuts? That's right. If you don't get the Barton doll this Christmas, you just keep in, uh, thinking ahead to next Christmas. Next Christmas is a long time away. I want a Barton doll so bad, Dot. Well, don't forget Christmas is real special here this year. And Christmas Eve is going to be almost specialer than Christmas Day. Mother Sam's is planning something nice. What's that? We'll all go to a city to an auditorium in a department store, and there'll be a magician on the stage. What's an auditorium? It's a room with lots of places to sit down in it. Is it as big as a movie theater where I used to see Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and Cinderella on Saturdays? Bigger. Oh, what's a magician? A magician's a man who plays tricks with playing cards and takes rabbits out of hats. Live rabbits? Yes, live rabbits and live chickens too sometimes. And there'll be a Christmas tree, a huge Christmas tree. And least of all, and last of all, Santa Claus will stand on the stage and all the children can go up and talk to him. The little girl who said there wasn't any Santa Claus will be ashamed of herself when that happens. Yes. You bet she will. And we'll all get up and sing songs. You look awful funny, Dot. You got spots all over your face. I don't feel so good either. Well, maybe you better go see Mother Sam's. Maybe I had. Well, Dot had the measles, and that's why things happened as they did. I burst into loud sobs when Mother Sam's told me that Dot couldn't go to the auditorium in the department store and see the magician take rabbits out of hats or the Christmas tree, that she couldn't even talk to Santa Claus. I'm sorry too, Wendy, but it's unavoidable. You see, Dot's contagious. What's contagious? It means 
If she were allowed to mix with the rest of you in the auditorium, well, it means you'd all have spots. I just as soon have spots, Mama Sam's, as long as she has them. Honest, I would. But it isn't practical, Wendy. I'll stay home with her then. I won't go to the auditorium in the department store. Now, Dot's the last person in the world who'd want you to stay away from the auditorium, Wendy. Well, she's the most unselfish child I've ever known. And I've known a lot of children. You know, if you go, you can tell her later what it was like. And you can bring presents to her. Why, you can play substitute for Santa Claus. There, Wendy. Don't cry so hard. Some things can't be avoided. But it does seem unfair that it should happen to Dot, of all people. I went outside and stood in front of the infirmary just before it was time to go to the city. And even though the twilight was coming, Dot saw me and waved to me and threw kisses. Then we were taken to the city in a big bus. We marched in through the door of the department store and into the auditorium and took our seats. Normally, Dot would have sat beside me. She'd have nudged me if I got sleepy. She wouldn't have let me slide down into my seat until I was practically invisible. I remember that the lights grew dim, that the music drifted away. And when I woke with a start, the auditorium was black and there wasn't a sound. Usually Mother Sam's blew a whistle when it was time for us to leave a public place, but I hadn't heard any whistle. And then, before I realized it, I was screaming and running up and down the aisles like a puppy dog lost in traffic. And suddenly, without warning, I crashed headlong into someone and felt myself being lifted in a pair of strong arms. What's the matter, little girl? <laughs> I'm all alone here. Oh, no, you're not. I'm with you. Where did you come from, and how did you happen to get shut up in this auditorium? I came from the children's home. I live there with Mother Sam's and, and my sister Dot. Dot's almost nine. Then she's old enough to look out for you. She should have seen that you went with the others. She wasn't here tonight. She was left behind in the home. She has the measles. She's in the infirmary. Oh, that explains it. Uh, let's have some light on the subject, shall we? There's a switch by the door. I'll just feel around and find it. Uh, here we are. My, you're a tiny widget. That's what my mama used to call me. A widget. I'm going on five, but I'm small for my age and... You... You're Santa Claus! Of course I'm Santa Claus, but who are you? I'm Wendy Seymour. Santa Claus, I'm awful glad to see you. Thanks. I knew you were going to be on the stage, but I supposed you'd gone with the rest. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was about ready to start back to the North Pole. I'd have been on my way right now if I hadn't heard your voice calling in the wilderness. Well, let's sit down in, on one of these seats and I'll hold you on my lap and... You can lean back on my shoulder, and then when you've begun to relax, you can tell me why you're so glad to see me. So, in a matter of seconds, I was sitting on Santa's lap, leaning back against the shoulder of his red suit. His shoulders smelled of tobacco, his eyes were kind, and so was his voice, though it was blurred a bit because it had to come through the white beard. He held me gently, and I told him about the Boughton doll with the yellow hair and blue eyes that opened and shut, and he nodded thoughtfully every so often, but he didn't interrupt me until I'd finished, and then... A Boughton doll with golden hair and, and blue eyes that open and shut, right? Uh-huh. Dot said that Santa didn't have time to see to all the children every year, so if I didn't get my doll this Christmas, I must look ahead to next Christmas. But, but next...
Next Christmas seemed an awful long time away. To a child, it would seem a long time away, but childhood goes so fast. It seemed queer, but Santa Claus sounded a little sad when he spoke next. But I must have imagined it, I told myself, because Santa Claus could never be sad. He stroked his long beard thoughtfully, and then... Yes, Wendy, when you're as old as I am, you'll be surprised how rapidly Christmases pile up. Why, they happen right on top of each other. I wish I was as old as you are. Oh, no, you don't. Stay young, child, as long as it's humanly possible. I admire your sister's philosophy, but, well, just be yourself. Look, honey, I left my pack in the hall. Will you wait here for me while I go fetch it? And then I'll take you back to the children's home. In your sled? With the reindeers? <laughs> no, not in the sled. The reindeers get nervous if I drive them through the city traffic. So I'll leave them on the roof and borrow a car from somebody for the trip to the orphanage. You won't be scared to stay here alone while, uh, will you? Uh, now that the lights are on and, and you know I'm coming back? I told Santa Claus I wouldn't be scared and cuddled down into the seat where he'd left me and waited. And about five minutes later, I heard a door open and close from somewhere in the back of the auditorium. And I turned around, and there was Santa Claus coming down the aisle toward me with his pack on his back. And when he got close enough, he bent way over until the pack was almost level with me. But... It's just about empty, Wendy. I gave out so many presents before we met. I thought perhaps you had... But by an odd coincidence, I have one present left. <laughs> Reach into the pack, Wendy, with both hands. Understand? Uh-huh. Oh, it's, it's a box. Maybe there are shoes in it. It feels like a shoe box, only bigger. Lift it out of the pack, Wendy, and open it up. I'm scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. You heard me, child. Open it up. The exact doll? The exact doll with the yellow hair and blue eyes and... I'm not dreaming, am I, Santa Claus? I'm awake, aren't I? Of course you're awake, and... And the doll, she really is mine? Every blessed inch of her. Well, Wendy, how about giving me a big hug? And a kiss too, Santa Claus? Naturally. Kisses and hugs go together. Always remember that, even when you're a big girl. <laughs> Especially when you're a big girl. So I threw my arms around Santa's neck and hugged him hard and gave him a big kiss right on his white whiskers. And they tickled my face. And he spoke in a voice that was almost as thick and fuzzy as they were. That was just about the nicest kiss I ever had. Wendy, uh, you see, I haven't any children of my own, so it's nice to be treat. It's a nice treat to be kissed by a little girl. Maybe you haven't any children of your own, Santa Claus, but all the children in the world love you. <laughs> You're nice, Wendy. That's nice too. She's nicer than I am. Oh, I'm sure she is, if you say so. Well. All good things come to an end, Wendy. It, it's time to take you and the doll back to the children's home. So Santa Claus carried me out of the auditorium and we drove to the home. And it was Mother Sands who opened the door with her eyes full of tears. Wendy, am I ever glad to see you? We called the police and the state troopers. Why, we called everybody. We've been worried sick, Mr. S I'm Mr. S. Claus. Uh, Ms. Sams, didn't you recognize me? Um, uh, of course I did. Please don't think we were careless, Santa Claus. We didn't miss Wendy until we got home. And it's no wonder, Mrs. Sams. 
She's such a little mite, she'd be easy to lose. Oh, and I thought that I might have lost her permanently. I was frantic. Oh, and her sister Dot, such a wonderful little girl. How could I have explained? Oh, Wendy, it's good to have you back. And I can't thank you enough, Santa Claus. <laughs> Wendy, something lovely's happened. Something better than seeing Santa and getting my doll? Wendy, lovelier than we've ever expected. We're gonna be adopted. Both of us together. The man and his wife who's gonna take us, they're awful rich. The man owns a department store. It's the, it's the store where they had the Christmas Eve entertainment. I mean, it was in their auditorium, and the man donated all the presents and... He didn't donate my doll. Santa gave it to me. Yes, Santa gave it to you. We're going to meet the man and his wife this afternoon, Wendy, in Mother Santa's office. I can hardly wait. This'll be the best Christmas that I'd ever want to have. And so Dot and I met our new parents that afternoon. And when the lady that was going to be our new mama opened her arms, they were like a haven. And when the man swung me onto his shoulder, I felt as if I belonged there. But it seemed strange to me then that he and Santa Claus had eyes and voices that were so very much alike. Our story for Christmas, the story of Wendy Seymour's childhood, has come to its happy conclusion. For the Wendy that's beside me here is one of the most attractive young women you've ever seen. She's standing in this studio, waiting to give you a Christmas message. Wendy, have you a message for our friends? Yes, Mr. Hurley, he I have. I want to tell all of our friends who listened to the story last Christmas and to Mr. Charles O'Bannon, who asked us to repeat it this year... That as long as I live, I'll never forget my meeting with Santa Claus. Each Christmas, as I watch my small sons and daughters open their many gifts, I relive the joy I knew when one shiny gift meant more to a little girl who had nothing than a room full of presents could mean to my children today. I know you're wondering how old I was when I learned that my second daddy and Santa Claus were one and the same. Why, I guess I knew it all the time, subconsciously. The things that happen to children, be they good or bad, stay on in their minds. So let's pray that whenever it's possible, children shall have only good things to remember. If you have enjoyed the program which you've just heard, the editors of True Story Magazine, who supplied the material from which it was adapted, are sure you will also enjoy reading Good Girls Have It Easy, the explosive story of a woman whose happiness depended upon living down a bad reputation. Could Liz, who was always in and out of trouble, prove she had changed when the future of four people was at stake? Don't miss the exciting answer in Good Girls Have It Easy in the current issue of True Story Magazine. Also read When Should a Wife Rebel, an important article on marriage. Buy your copy today at all newsstands. Meanwhile, from all of us here to all of you out there, the very, very merriest of Christmases. My True Story is adapted for radio by Margaret E. Sangster. Featured in our cast today were Sarah Fussell and Ina Cummings as the two little girls, Wendy and Dot. Wendy, the grown-up narrator, was Jane Amar. The little girl's mother was played by Farrah Allen. And John Griggs was good old Santa himself. The music was by Rosario. My True Story is directed by Kenneth McGregor and produced by Ted Lloyd. This is Ed Hurley.
Thanks for watching this episode of Project Audion. And if you only heard this episode, then head to the projectaudion.com website so you can see it in action. All our past episodes are online as well. And you can be notified about future episodes by adding your name to our mailing list. So until next time, thanks for listening. Hi, my name is Tracy Babian, co-author of the Carlson Chronicles podcast. My husband, J.A. Babian, the main author, had a triple stroke in the latter part of August of this year. Jerry was lifelighted to Tulsa, Oklahoma, with a brain bleed that the doctors thought they were going to have to do surgery on him, which surely would have killed him. Thank the Lord they didn't. He survived that brain bleed and swelling, but he is in need of so much for his recovery I have started a GoFundMe to help with all the costs that I just don't have. I retired back in April of this year so that I could take care of Jerry, as he was starting to show signs then that I just didn't catch. Little did I know this would be a blessing in disguise. He is fighting this setback of memory loss and 75% use of his right leg, arm, along with his cognitive speech. Considering the doctor said he would not make it, I consider him to be a miracle. Medicare has only granted 12 visits of physical and speech therapy twice a week. He needs at least six months worth of speech therapy alone. That is a total of $4,000 we need to pay up front that I just don't have. So far, we have had $775 in donations of the 10000 we need come in. Please donate today so that he can get his needed medication, therapy, and also help pay bills that Medicare just will not cover, even if it's only $5. I update this account so folks can see his progress. You can go to my Facebook account, Tracy Babian VO, to find the pinned link with the title Jerry Babian Stroke Victim Needs. Jerry says, thank you. I still have a lot to write on my stories that I want to get done. Please help me to achieve that goal. Thank you in advance for your donation. Tracy Babian.